Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. What should Christians be doing? I can tell you definitively what we should be doing. Sharing our faith. We should be telling others about the peace we have in Jesus. What should Christians do? Share your faith, your confidence that God has got this. Yeah, but what about all these things? What about them? Is God God on vacation that stuff happens here and he doesn't know about it? Can't do anything about it? Really? Is that? No, this is why we're starting a whole series on the Old Testament because we need to go back and look at the greatness and the glory of God because we lost that somewhere along the way. Sorry, that's not in my notes. We got to be sharing our faith, telling other people about the peace that we have in Jesus, letting our lives testify of our passionate belief that Jesus is the answer. All right, number two, here we go. Why share your hope? We share our faith. We share our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. We share our confidence with, in God, with other people. God has got this. No weapon formed against us will prosper. What if COVID gets me? What if, what if COVID gets you? You'll go to heaven. I'm sorry. So that... That was not in my notes. <laughs> if you can get the offering box open, you can take a little out because that was <laughs> unnecessary. I'm totally kidding. Number two, here we go. Well, we, it's not just with COVID. It's a number of things that we do in our lives. Things that we fear whenever we have faith in, the, in God Almighty. <sighs> All right. Carry on, Brent. I've messed up time really bad. Number two, why share hope? Why share your hope? Hopefully you have hope. In my short time here on earth, I have never been more aware of the opportunity for the church to present hope. Are you with me? Hope. The world is needing hope, but we need something to have hope If we don't have faith in an eternal almighty God, then you don't have hope for what he promises. First Peter chapter three, verse 15, I'm going to kind of hit it and run says, and if someone asks you about, ask about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Why do you have hope? When your house burns down, why do you continue to be encouraged and happy and peaceful and joyful and seem to have hope? Because it's not about our house. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about God. There's so many other bigger factors happening than than all these things that we get all wound up about. In the first few weeks following 9-11, back in, I think it was 2001, uh, whenever they bombed the the World Trade Centers, uh, there was a surge of people that came returning back to church, looking for answers, looking for encouragement, looking for hope. Now, some of the statistics have shown that the church failed to give hurting people hope. Church attendance went up right after 9-11, and then in a few weeks, it went right back down. 
I kind of think, it's totally my own speculation, but I kind of think that what happened is people came to church looking for hope and what we told them is, oh, here's our membership class and if you can agree with our tenets of faith, you can become a part of our little membership of our church and then you can come every Sunday and you can give your money and we'll all call it good. And they were like, somebody I know and loved was just killed and you're offering me a membership class. Surely there's something better than that. I'm fixing to teach DHC Essentials, by the way. <laughs> Church is not about the structure in this organization. Oh, that's, that, that dog will hunt. Let's go with that. Christianity is not about the structure and the administration of this group of people. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. So when people come, it's not just invite them to church. It's tell them about your Jesus. Tell them why you have hope. We have another opportunity here right now to share with others the reason that you and I live with hope. Let's do a better job this time than we did last time. First Peter chapter 3, verse 16. So it was right, right after he says, uh, be ready to share, always be ready to share the reason for your hope. He says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Uh-oh. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed whenever they see what a good life you live because you belong to Jesus. Here's the deal, church. If you're sharing your hope because you are right and others are wrong, stop it. If you're sharing your hope to prove your superiority, stop it. This sermon is not going to sell. I have listened to specific stories of people in our community expressing their fear and their genuine hopelessness. The world needs genuine, compassionate, caring believers to gently and respectfully share, not just tell, but to share with them the hope that we have in Jesus. Hope can be expressed in words, but it's best communicated in our attitude, in the way that we, uh, let me back up. It is best communicated in attitudes that give way to confident actions. Are you with me? Oh, I'm not sure what we should do. Is it, things are so bad. Should we, should we buy green bananas or, you know, I don't know. Green bananas looking forward down the road. We may not be here to eat them. Y'all didn't get that. It was really funny in my head. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? As opposed to, you know what? I know who holds tomorrow. And so I'm going to live today with joy, hope, and lots of peace. You're welcome to come with me. We're going to have a great time. Hope is when we see the world's problems as already solved. What? Well, that's a downer, isn't it? What are we going to worry about then? Hope is when we see the world's problems as already solved. We like to sing about Jesus being victorious, and then we worry about fill in the blank. That doesn't make any sense, church. We either believe he is victorious or we have lots of things to worry about. 
Hope is when we see the world's problems as already solved. We don't panic. We don't react. We respond in a responsible and life-giving and God-glorifying way. Oh, yeah, that's good. I like my preaching. Anyway, we have read to the end of the book, right? Because we all do soap. We know who wins, right? We do. So why are we freaking out? We shouldn't be. We should be living in faith in an almighty God and hope that he has promised us eternal life, eternal life. I skipped ahead of myself, so now it's going to mess up this whole cool, very smooth sermon. (laughs) We have a living hope because we know Jesus. Those who do not know Jesus do not have hope. You rub shoulders with those people, it'll touch your heart whenever they say, I don't know what I'm going to do about tomorrow. I'm fearful of what's going to happen tomorrow. That's a scary place to be. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18, 19, and 20. It says, so God, everyone say God, has given both his promise and his oath. I think that God is committed to this, okay? These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. God has given us his promise and his oath. What about? Therefore, we, have, we who have fled to him for refuge can have what? Great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Do you picture that? We have great confidence in our refuge in God because he has given us his promise and his oath. It's impossible for God to lie. He has bound himself to not only Jesus's victory, but your victory. Verse 19, this hope. We don't have it all yet, right? Because we still fumble every once in a while. Verse 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I remember preaching this a hundred years ago when my hair was all black. And I preached about this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor, nautical term. Ship is in the bay. They put the anchor down and they want it to catch a big rock. Why? Because whenever the wind blows, when the tide changes, whenever the, when things happen in the, 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 you know what I'm saying? The ocean is rough. Mmm, that's good. We have this hope that is a strong and trustworthy anchor to our souls that God himself, the creator of heavens and earth, will keep you. The anchor will hold. But Brent, I feel like we've blown off. The anchor will hold. And I base that statement on the greatness of God Almighty. Not because we've done anything. Good Lord, if it's up to us, we'll cut the rope. This is why we put our faith in Jesus, because he's not like us. So many ways. It leads us 
through the curtain. That's not even the good part. Here we go. This anchor, this hope that we have, this strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, it leads us through the curtain. What curtain are we talking about? In the temple, Holy of Holies, divides us, right? Back there, back in the Holy of Holies. It leads us through this curtain into God's inner sanctuary. We are anchored into the present. We didn't anchor on a rock. We anchored on God. Almighty. <laughs> I mean, that's what the scripture says. For some of us, we got our anchor all set. And our paycheck was 30 minutes late. We blow off course. We get our anchor all set, and they canceled our favorite TV show on Netflix. Oh, the world falls apart. <laughs> I was talking about somebody else. It didn't happen to me. It leads us through the curtain into the God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He's become an eternal priest, the order of Melchizedek. Our hope, listen church, our hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls that leads us right into the very presence of the most high God. I don't know how to give you more confidence than that. I don't know how to give you more hope than that. You either believe it or you don't. My hope is anchored in Jesus, that God himself has all of this under control. And God is going to take his people home one day. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. I'm not sure. I got some things to worry about. Hmm. The fact that Jesus wins defines everything for the believer. I can live through trials. I can live through the trials of today because I have the hope of eternal life with God forever and ever and nothing can separate me from that. I can share that hope. I need to share that hope with those who have no reason for hope. Because there are people out there that you rub shoulders with every day that have no hope. And we sit here holding it. We're happy to sing about it on Sunday morning and celebrate it. But there's people who desperately need it. We make jokes about it and we avoid the conversation when we really need to, every time the Holy Spirit opens the door for us to present a reason for our hope that we walk through that and we are able to give an account of why, why even though the money market may fall apart, my faith and confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is just temporary. He's got this. Number three, <clears throat> I intentionally wrote a shorter sermon and then I just preached a longer sermon. I have no discipline whatsoever. Three, here we go. Why share your love, God's love in you for other people? Listen to me carefully for a second. Oh, this is ingenious. So, I mean, if it wasn't, I wouldn't take the time to share it, right? This week, I'm preparing and I'm noticing that in the New Testament, because we had talked about, we, we're going to talk about sharing our faith. So in the New Testament, the word share is almost, you have to look this up after service, okay? Because I'm, uh, I want you to fact check me. I love that. That was good. Fact checked with the word of God. How about that, Jack? All right. <clears throat> Back to share, okay? Sorry, don't be so distracting. All right. This week, 
I was preparing New Testament word share is almost always used in the sense of having something in common. Having something in common. So it's like we share a last name, right? Or we share worship together this morning. We all shared singing Yahweh, Yahweh. Well, I was there anyways. We share that together, common experience. We have something together. We share faith. That is how it's used in the New Testament. We share this common ground of our confidence being in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a faith that we share, you and I both have. We share the same hope together. We share the same God's love for us together. Do you see how that works? It's a common ground. We share faith. It is together. That's how the New Testament uses the word share. But when we talk about sharing our faith in the modern world or sharing our hope or sharing our love, we often use the word share in the sense of portioning it out. See how that's different? I mean, I can share my pie with you. That doesn't mean that we're both going to eat the same piece of pie. It doesn't work that way. By the way, this is just an illustration. I probably won't share my pie with you. That means that I would, if I'm sharing pie with you, then I give you a piece and I have a piece and you go away. Don't look at my food while I'm eating it, right? (laughs) We're that way about our faith. I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ and then I hope that you make it. Come to church. That's a good one. Just come to church. Don't find me though. I mean, I'm busy getting my worship on. I don't want to have to explain why I have hope to you. As opposed to sharing, having common, we walk together, we talk together. Uh, Wednesday night Bible study, we're in First Thessalonians, we're talking about encouraging one another. Well, when we all have hope in the same Lord Jesus Christ, we get together and you know what we talk about? The greatness of God and we're encouraged. If you don't have hope, you know what you get together and talk about? Fishing and hunting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we talk about all the negative things that are going on. I take the time to tell you about share because our ability to share, to portion out faith, hope, and love to our community, which is what we're talking about in evangelism, our ability to share, to portion out faith, hope, and love with our community is predicated, I like that word, on you and I having already shared in common faith, hope, and love with fellow believers. That's why we did reach and relate in the community of the church first. We get together and we share our faith. We get together and we share our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We get together and we share the love of God and it's wonderful. And we walk together, we talk together, we are encouraged together, we work together through trials in faith, hope, and love. And that sharing of faith, hope, and love before portioning it out to those outside the church. We share it with one another and then we go outside of the church and they they see the church. Are you with me? So why do we share love with our community? Why are we gonna share? First, we shared it with one another. Why would we share it with the community? I'm gonna go fast. John 3, 16 says, for this is how God loved the world. He's going to model it. This is how God loved the world. 
He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 through 11 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God. We're so happy with ourselves. God, I'm here this morning because I love you. And he's like, what? This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. God made a sacrifice of love for you. It would Follow that as children of God, you'd be willing to make a sacrifice of love for others, that others could come to know God as their heavenly father as well. Are you with me? I'll back up. I, I don't have to teach the essentials class for a while, so we're good. <clears throat> Peter makes the case for loving those outside of the body of Christ. First, we, we share love in the body of Christ. We have a common love for one another, a common love for God. And then Peter makes the case for loving people outside of the body of Christ as a sign of spiritual maturity. Do you hear me? A sign of spiritual maturity. A sign of spiritual maturity. Second Peter chapter one. I read this a couple weeks ago, I think, just because this is one of my favorite verses. I think that this is something that we should strive for. It gives us a roadmap for spiritual growth. Verse three, it says, by his divine power, by who? God's what? Divine, divine power, by God's divine power. <laughs> you can't read it, oh, by God's divine power. He's gonna give us most things that we need for a living. No, by God's divine power, 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 power. God has given us what? Everything. We need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory, 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 and excellence. Are you with me? Don't make me do that again. I'm losing my voice. I was after worship service. And... Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share. That's common ground. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Not share it, give it away. You get to participate. Oh. I'd really like to just take a little while and preach there, but we're running out of time. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by what? Human desires. That was a great place for you to say something really sarcastic, but we're just going to keep going on, okay? Verse 5. In view of all of this, all of those promises that we get to participate, the divine nature of God himself, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. What are we going to do? Supplement your faith 
add to, I actually like that word better. Let's add to our faith. Faith gets us in the door. Add to your faith a generous portion of moral excellence. So behave yourself. Stop sinning. All right, that's good. Step two. And to moral excellence, we're going to add knowledge. Okay, so now we're going to come to church. We're going to come to Wednesday night. We're going to learn some things about God from the scriptures. Verse six, and knowledge we're supplementing with self-control. Now you've learned some things. Calm yourself down. It's ironic for me to say, huh? With knowledge, have some self-control. So we've learned now that because of faith and hope and love, we behave a certain way. Okay, so now we've got some some self-control. And add to that, self-control with, uh, supplement it with patient endurance. This is where most of us get off the train. Like, I'm all about spiritual growth until we start talking about patient endurance. Uh, I think all of us struggle with this whole mask thing. Right? I was in Home Depot and Lowe's quite a bit this last week and I try, to, I try to wear my mask and I'm loading lumber onto a cart and sweating and you know my eyelids are dripping sweat and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, no. Uh, it's a challenge, patient endurance. Maybe that was a bad illustration. Once we get patient endurance under our, cell, under our belt, then we supplement patient endurance with godliness. You know what? God expects us to act like he does. Ugh, so difficult. We, act, we, we behave with godliness. And then to godliness, we're going to add, verse 7, he says, godliness, we're going to supplement it with brotherly affection, affection, which is what Thomas talked about earlier. We know those in the body of Christ and we see them around town. We're just happy to see them. We're so happy to see them. We might even hug somebody in public. I love seeing you. It just makes my heart happy. Part of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest struggles for me with the whole quarantine is I love being with people. I love God's people. Yeah, I enjoy it. Add to patience, to godliness, we're going to add brotherly affection. And whenever, after we are able to love one another, what do we add to that? Love for everyone. Oh. What about those people who have different theological ideas than I do? Because, you know, they can be really jerks. What about those people who have different, they go to different denomination. What about those people who have different politics? Do we really have to, is that really God's standard? Love people that believe about politics different than I do? What? God's out of his mind. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. Why would you share God's love with others? Here's why, and I'm coming in for a landing. We're going to quit. Why would you share God's love with others? Because he first loved you. He loved you when you were unlovable. Because you are the demonstration of God's love here on earth. God has you here to be his hands and feet to a lost world to share his love with them. Because when people see the supernatural love of God in you, they are attracted to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I said supernatural love because it is an act of God, right? For us to be able to love everyone. It is, it really, really is. All all kidding aside, it's a supernatural thing. When the community of believers are filled with and begin to share their faith, their hope, and their love, then, then the church is like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
Jesus will be lifted up and the world will have the opportunity to be attracted to faith and hope and love for themselves. So share your faith, share your hope, share your love. Do it in your attitudes and your actions. Sometimes it's with deeds, sometimes it's with words. The point is, share your faith, your hope, and your love. I'm going to ask Thomas and Chaz to come back to the platform. I'm going to pray for all of us, but I want them to be available here. Um, to pray with you guys. We have gone through a, an enormous number of things here in the last few months, some of you more than others, and we are here to pray for you. Some of you guys are wondering, this is our pastoral leadership team. Um, and so we're available to, to minister to you guys. If you guys would stand with us, uh, I guess Thomas isn't gonna play music because he's gonna be available to pray with people. But as I pray, if you want one of us to pray with you, if you'll come down to the front, Chaz or Thomas will pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want you to be lifted up today. We want you to just live in the fullness of God in every way. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of your kingdom. We are grateful that we get to worship such a mighty and excellent and wonderful God and that you are working our hearts to give us hope. Father, I pray that you would make us effective in this world. Lord, that we not just go through this life holding on to this incredible information and this incredible salvation, but Lord, that you make us effective at sharing it with other people. Give us the words to speak. Lord, put the right actions inside of us so that we behave in a way that glorifies you and draws other people to you. Father, we love you with all that we are and we love this congregation of people. Lord, help us to be your city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And while people are looking for faith, hope, and love, they will find it in the Lord Jesus Christ as we demonstrate your godliness to this world. Father, we thank you and we give you all glory and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.